Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity to drive your career forward. Tribe, I have a great show today with not one, but two great guests. Husband and wife Jessica and John Waller, co founders of Humble Nut Butter, a line of small batch premium quality nut butters with savory flavor profiles, and they're delicious. They sent me a bunch, they're awesome. And excited to unpack their story of the brand and the inside story of husband and wife entrepreneurship journey and a whole lot more. So let's get to this. John and Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Great to see you, Adam. Awesome. Fantastic. And I certainly do appreciate It's kind of one of those nice perks about having a show. I get a lot of samples. Right and my on. family gets a lot of samples too. And, and like we, there'll be a package waiting for me to get home. And I'm like, like, I tell my kids, I'm like, do not touch the package. It's daddy's package. Like, honestly, you, know, you never know what's going to be in it, right? you got to be careful these days. <laughs> um, but when your, your, your package came, I was excited, and, and we tried a bunch, and they're, they're really fantastic, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. So before we get into the good stuff, before we get to, you know, the, the story of Humble Nut Butter, how did you guys meet? How did John and Jessica meet? Let's hear the love story here. Who wants to tell it? That's a good story. So um, we were both living in Chicago at the time, and it was what? summer of 2010 I think yeah and two of my good girlfriends we were going to New York City just for a girls weekend and we all were you know left our our jobs early on a Friday afternoon to meet up at the airport and so we're excited and we're kind of milling about the airport and we all had different seats on mm -hmm. the plane and so Sarah and Jamie were sitting next to each other because they had actually booked their tickets together and I was in a completely different row and they said, well, get on and we'll just ask and see if somebody will move. And so I sit down and I sit next to John. And hey, he baby. Says, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Hi. He's like, are you going home or leaving home? I said, I'm leaving home. How about you? And so we just chit chatted for a little bit while the plane um, <laughs> while the plane filled up. And my friend Jesse or Jamie came up to me. and She goes, Jesse, we have a seat for you. And I said, yeah, I, I'm good here. And I go. really, <laughs> and she goes, okay, see you when we land. <laughs> and um, that's how we met. And I always say John is the consummate salesman because not, you know, not, only did, I, not only did I not go sit with my girlfriends, but he somehow convinced me to, for me to give him my number, even though he was going to visit his ex-girlfriend. Ooh, and this was all before the plane even took off. Remember that, because you wanted to switch seats. <laughs> wow, so he did, it, he did it pretty quickly. Good, good on you, man. And, 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 that's, and, that, and, I, and I absolutely love that. Um, 
so career breakdown, John. Humble Nut Butter is, is your actually your third startup, right? That you've worked in your career. So you've had some guiding experience in the past. You know, what was it like? Let's look back on on Groupon, the early days of Groupon. You know, back when it was like sixty employees. Like, what were some of those core lessons that you learned from the Groupon early days? And Groupon was a beast back in the day. Let's everyone right. just remember how big and important it was before this modern age of couponing and honey and all that too. But like, what 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 were those like key lessons that you learned from your Groupon days that you applied when you launched? You know, Humble Nut Butter. Those were special times. Um, we were moving with crazy speed, right? So, you know, you obviously have to move fast. Um, you have to have a collective vision. You know, at, at that point, really, you know, advertising hadn't been conducted that way, where we featured marquee venues and merchants and with a really aggressive discount. And so uh, it took, like, a vision and, and some audacity to believe in, in the actual product itself. Mm-hmm. Um and we had a lot of fun together. You know, at that point, we were hiring like 30 people a month, right? There was new sales folks coming in all the time. We had people on the tech side as well. Uh, they were raising a bunch of venture capital money at that point. And it was a land, land grab, really, between Groupon and Living Social. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, others emerged. Uh, Facebook, Google, Guild, Guild City, all that, yeah. Right. Yeah, everybody had their own kind of deal of the day concept that was popping up. So... We knew that we needed to be, you know, go on the offensive, and uh, we we made it work. Uh, I think Forbes called it the fastest growing company to get to like a billion dollar valuation, um, and you know that was a rocket ship. Uh, and it's funny though because Groupon was really like three or four different companies under one roof. You know, it was fun, quirky startup in the early days. We had parties on Fridays, right? We cut out early. Um, we'd have kegs at the office, and then we realized, right, we we really have something growing here. Growing up, growing up. Yeah, we started to grow up, and we um, we you know prepared for the IPO, and so we got more organized, and we had the IPO, and uh, you know some people did quite well, and then after the IPO, right, all these transformations within one company. So it was a fascinating experience. I was there for about four years. And and what did what did that you know positive environment teach you about building a strong sales team? You know, we used humor a lot and irreverency. You know, Andrew Mason was the founder and CEO. And uh, he was a hilarious guy. And, um, you know, we did random things. Like there's a giant cat head in a spaceship at our headquarters in Chicago. We kind of had like this yellow brick road style, uh, you know, footprint in our office. Um, We had hilarious names for conference rooms, right? So I think people kind of... Quirkiness. They appreciated the quirkiness. They appreciated the humor. Uh, And then there's also, of course, some friendly competition, the sales folks that I've worked with, you know, across my 15-year career at this point, generally share uh, a competitiveness, right? Um, and you know, a lot of the numbers were visible at this point, and you know, you wanted to kind of outdo your peers. And uh, there healthy was healthy competition, right? Healthy competition is good. That's right. Yeah, and I think it, it drove people to kind of raise the bar. Um, and at that at that point too, you know this better than I do, Adam. Just being in, in recruiting. Um, it really forced us to get smart about hiring. And so, you know, we tried to be smart about culture fits and who would fit in well to the team. Uh, and with a startup, you know, there's not a lot of structure. And if there is structure, it's changing and evolving all the time, right? So within a startup environment, you need to have some flexibility um, and some autonomy, right? And be able to be a self-starter. And so we started to look for those things when we would hire. Uh, and, you know, we weren't perfect, but we got pretty good at it. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. And, and Jess, I didn't forget about your you know early career, and you worked at Feeding America really early on, and then you moved into education as a development officer. What made you want to move into education in the first place? Um, well, I think part of it is I I love learning in school myself, and my father is an educator, so I think education and the value of education has always been something that's really I've seen as value in my life, and I you know for all the world's ills i think education is a key part in fixing many of our world's problems um so that's really what inspired me to when we moved to minneapolis to go work at university of minnesota um yeah just love learning and then you know all of a sudden this idea comes tell us where the spark came for humble nut butter yeah so I'll take it back quickly. So about eight years ago, we were living in Chicago. Um, Jess had bad heartburn with her first pregnancy and went online looking for remedies. She wasn't wild about taking Tums or Alka-Seltzer mm-hmm. every day. And apple cider vinegar kept popping up. Long story short, um, we started developing flavors in our home kitchen because we realized there's all these health remedies. Mm-hmm. And people you know, weren't consuming apple cider vinegar back then like you know, we thought they should be once we realized all the benefits. Um, we ended up backing off that idea, Adam, because it was very labor intensive, about to have a first child. It was capital intensive as well. I think it was too early, but that's been in the background for like eight years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward to the fall of 2017, and Jess and I, you know, we're not religious about a specific diet, but we are mindful about what we buy and what we eat. And for years, we've been sick of all the overly sweet and sugary foods. Overprocessed, yeah. Exactly. And so uh, we wanted a snack. It's probably 9 o'clock at night. Both kids at this point are in bed for the night. And um, we went rifling through the pantry to see what we had. And we had popcorn. We had cheese and crackers and chips and salsa. And we were kind of uninspired by all those things. Um, We also had nuts and some random high-end spices. And Mm -hmm. Jess started kind of tinkering. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the other thing for me personally too, I'm, I'm very much a creative hands-on person. I've always been a tinkerer. I make parts and music and my mom's a really great cook. So I'm not a chef by any means, but I love cooking and flavors. And, um, I had gotten really into kind of health and wellness in my mid twenties. Um, one of the pivotal things for me is I read the book by Michael Pollan called In Defense of Food, and it just really kind of like blew my mind open in ways that, you know, I, I was born in 79, was definitely like a typical teenage girl growing up in the 80s, 90s, where, you know, you hear those messages about fat-free, non-fat, low-fat, and all of these things. And so to his that book in particular is a lot about the culture of food in America, the politics behind food in America. And it was just really fascinating to me. And um, at the end of the book, his major premise is, you know, eat food, real food, not too much, mostly plants. Like, and it's that simple. It doesn't have to be a fad diet. It doesn't have to, you know, and at this time, I think I was like 25 and I was eating a lot of like Adkins shakes and zone bars and things like that, thinking it was really healthy. So it's been a real evolution for me to just like, you know, really embrace 
cooking your food instead of buying your food and things of that nature. And I kind of got into Ayurvedic medicine and mm -hmm. reading a lot about that. And I went to this Ayurvedic doctor once and he was, you know, going through my charts about, you know, what I was eating. And I have a autoimmune disorder that affects my thyroid. And he, he said to me, you know, like, you know, you eat nuts every day. It's like, if you have to eat nuts, eat nut butter. And hmm. definitely if you eat whole nuts, don't eat them past noon. Interesting. And, and basically you're saying, you know, it's a lot for your body to digest and it's really hard on your, um, it takes a lot of energy from your body to digest those things. So from that point on, I became a big fan of nut butters. So I always had like cashew butter, almond butter. Um, I'm not the biggest peanut butter fan. I tended towards the tree nut butter. Mm -hmm. And so when we were looking kind of rummaging around for snacks and I saw the cashew butter, I'm like, hmm. I don't want anything sweet. I'm like, why is it that mixed nuts are always spicy, smoky, salty, but nut butter is always sweet hmm. and it's or plain. just or plain, right. and I'm like, Boring. you know, why, why is that? And just literally from that moment, I had some plain cashew butter, scooped it into a bowl, mixed it with some different herbs and spices we had in our in our pantry and I think I put it on a cracker or a carrot stick and kind of shoved it in John's mouth and said what do you think and he's like it's good he's like what what is this and I said <laughs> what'd, you, it's what'd you do here what'd you do here you know <laughs> did you write it down at least <laughs> yeah and that kind of launched a whole but but was all right so, so you, like was the first bite the aha moment like where's like what was that where you're like we should start a nut butter company. Like, what? Like, how'd you get from that mixing? Because listen, people tinker all the time. You both have the entrepreneurial spirit there. But was there that aha moment, like that that first conversation? You know, what we should really do. We should just give up everything and you know put our whole life savings into nut butter. Like, there had to be that moment, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that moment. I don't think that was a moment. Um, it honestly, was over a period of time. That was over a period of time of like, and really, the initial plan was kind of you know, let's. Let's see what people think. Let's share this with our friends. Yeah, you know, do some, do some local market research. Yeah, and um, but how did you tell? Like, sorry, like, 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 do you have do you have friends that are really going to tell you? Do you have like the friends like I know we do that'll really tell you how it is? They'll tell you, hey, you look like shit. You, I don't like your outfit. I don't like your new haircut. I don't like your shirt. Or are they like the pleaser types? Like, do you have those type of friends you could go to and they would really tell you if this was good or not? We have friends like that, absolutely, that will just bust your chops. Um, and this was a small focus group, friends and family, probably 10 to 15 yep. folks that we were shipping product to across the country. Uh, and we made a few iterations to the recipe. Jess created this all, you know, all the recipes here in our home kitchen. I was just tasting every single batch, you know. The easy job for now. Yeah, exactly. Just the taste tester. And uh, so we got pretty dialed in. And uh, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm – um, in a sales leadership role, selling supply chain software. But um, the reason we get, you know, we brought up apple cider vinegar and, and some of the other ideas that we've had over the years, is it, this has just been building, right? Mm -hmm. So Jess kind of asked that question, why are all the nut butter sweet or plain? We started tinkering. We looked into the market size. We looked into consumer trends. Uh, we looked into like what, what is out there, right, on the grocery shelves, what's online. Mm -hmm. and nothing was quite like it. Uh, and then you're eating more plants all the time, right? So we thought the timing was right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, walking away from a, a corporate salary with two young kids was probably the most terrifying and, decision I've ever made. And and like like let's just like 
let's unpack that for a moment because you know I, a lot of founders make that move like what's that thought process like when you say listen i have a stable job i'm sure you have benefits you have two small kids there's stability there there's stability with that to to take this risk i mean what, what's that decision and thought process like yeah um Jess and I, by the way, have learned a lot about each other throughout this endeavor. And I think I have a, a, a slightly higher tolerance for risk than she does. Um, and it doesn't make either one right, by the way. Um, but I looked back at like the trajectory of my career in sales and sales leadership. And I thought about, all right, what does the future look like? Um, and I've had some great gigs. I've worked for some great bosses. I've had some great colleagues. I've also taken some losses. And the few times in my life where I've actually bet on myself, it's, it's worked out okay. You know, I moved to Chicago in 09. I left my first job and, and I met Jess there, right? And, and I found Groupon when they were two months old. So those things were formative. And um, I thought, listen, like I was 37 at the time. I thought there's never going to be the ideal time to do this. Nope. So let's give it an honest go. We had these other ideas we didn't execute on. But let's give this an honest go. We'll go to the local farmers markets for six months, right? And if we get good enough feedback, then you know we'll we'll continue on this path. If it's kind of lukewarm, maybe I'll do some consulting on the side. If it's not good at all, You've then gotta give it a shot. I know. And yeah. so we uh, and I give Jess a ton of credit because it is it is crazy to walk away from that. And and she was supportive. But um, yeah, it's been we we've been doing it now three years. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's sorry. No, it's okay. I I always tell people, you know, we wouldn't have a product without maybe my brain and like, oh, why isn't nut butter or savory? But we wouldn't have like a business without John. He he is much more willing to take risks and like put himself out there and jump. I'm and part of that's just his personality style. I'm much more of an introvert. I can be really shy, so I might have these ideas, but I'm much more likely to kind of keep it close to the best and like not want to put it out there. So we push and pull each other a lot. And I think what was different about this idea from others to me was just all the puzzle pieces kind of started to fit together in terms of this solves a problem. You know, there's nothing like it. And people would kind of reaffirm that to us. They're like, why has nobody thought of this before? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems pretty, you know, like, why hasn't anybody thought of this before? And then you think about food trends and, you know, everybody is becoming more aware all the time about the ingredients in our food, the amount of sugar that's in our food and how bad that is for our overall health. And then the plant-based movement of, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan, but I do want to strive to get more plant-based products into my diet. So all of these things kind of started to fit together and it was kind of right place, right time. And, you know, if John and I had met each other when we were 22 and didn't have kids, I don't, I don't know that we would have had all the life experience behind of us course. to kind of set us up for this. So it's crazy and every day's, a whirlwind in a way, but it's exciting. Um, yeah, it is. And hey, tribe, quick break in the action to introduce you to one of my close podcast friends, Hala Taha, and her show, The Young and Profiting Podcast. She interviews the brightest minds in the world, like former spies, on how to gain influence 
billionaires on biohacking your body, and even celebrities like Matthew McConaughey on what it's really like behind the scenes. At Yap, they go deep. There's no fluff on this podcast, and Hala asks all the right questions. You can listen at youngandprofiting.com or search for Young and Profiting on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the action on the podcast. And, and what would you guys say is like the, 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 the biggest challenge that you've had working together? Because there's a difference between, and like I, I, my wife and I talk about this all the time, like I don't know if we could physically work together on the same piece of business. Was there, was there any conflict there in the beginning? I'm sure there's conflict every day. But like, was there any hesitation there or was it just a natural, okay, let's, let's do this together? I think there was hesitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jess eventually resigned from her previous job back in November of 2020. Um, so for the first year and a half to two years, it was me um, and Jess helping as much as she could. But, you know, we need her. Right. And she's got a skill set that I don't have. Uh, but, yeah, there was a transition period. Right. The, the first time we're working together in mm-hmm. the house, still in a pandemic. Right. Like tried to find my own lane and wanted to give her space because I can be kind of a hard charger, right? I, I, I kind of She get knows this. She sees you working your entire career, you know? She's seen yeah. this. Right. But, the other side, but, you're like, oh, God, I got to deal with him, like, working now. I'm going to get this side of John, and I can't get rid of him now. I don't know where to go. <laughs> I know. She's trapped. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, um, I think we've both learned a lot about how each other works throughout this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, I think it'll be a real advantage for us because we have complementary skill sets, but we also have to give each other space. And... Um, it's it's hard for me because I, I I'm like a you know I am a striver, but I need to I need to be patient with certain things and like trust that Jess is going to do it and do it in her own way and that's okay and so I have to just kind of step away, let her do her thing. I can't micromanage my wife, right? No. And I think a CPG business is very different from the kinds of businesses John has been involved in in the past, which have been much more kind of like tech based mm-hmm. and things. And, you know, unlike Groupon, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have like a pile of money behind us to just like go and push. So we have to make very thoughtful um, decisions every step of the way. And a lot of the CPG space is like kind of a chicken and egg game where it's like you're you're kind of pulling strings and it's like you do one thing here and it's going to move the needle over there. So I think I'm a very detail oriented person, but I can also kind of get into a paralysis by analysis and like a perfectionist window and that's when john will step in and be like just make a decision action over perfection that's that's one of my models here and and how do you guys separate you know how do you, how do you separate business family professional or does it just blend together like if you guys are out on a on, on a date night is it all business like i mean how do you how do you avoid going in that direction how do you keep it how do you keep the spark alive a date. What's a date? <laughs> we've been uh, on a couple of dates. We've, we've done it in the last, we figured it out. Um, good for you. I should take notes yeah. from you. Um, no, we'll, we'll, we've taken a few dates, but COVID didn't help and, and we'll get more dates on the book soon. When we have a date, we try to avoid shop talk if we can, but it does blend together. And even yes. the kids have gotten insight into the business, which, which we kind of like, right? Like we're not trying to overwhelm them with stress and they're not looking at the P&L, no. but uh, our kids will go and help label at right. our commercial kitchen. And, and so we want to give them exposure to, to entrepreneurship. Um, Jess, I think, has tolerated tolerated me in this regard because it's always on my mind, right? And now it's always on her mind now that she's mm-hmm. full-time. 
Um, but, uh, you know, we generally try to avoid talking shop during dinner. And I try to check in with her and say, hey, listen, can we talk about a few things? And if, if you say no, that's fine. I try to check important in. things here. It's interesting. You talk, you, talk, you, you talk about the kids. I mean, what, what, are, what are you seeing them learn? And what, are those, what is that? Maybe that's something that, like, you didn't think they would take away from this. Like, what's, what's that big learning from them of watching mom and dad build this company? Um, hard... what did, yeah, what did Maeve say the other day? She's like, because I think. And how old are your kids again? Just a level set here? Uh, seven and four and a half. Yep, I'm right there. I'm, I'm almost three and eight and a half. Yep, right there. Yeah, and so I, I, I resigned from my position at the university at the end of November. It was just becoming too much to try and, you know, we're, we're in the phase now where we're really growing a lot. And I, I felt like I wasn't doing enough for the business. And by not doing enough for the business, I couldn't do enough for my colleagues and um, my team at the U. So I made that decision to leave. And I think it took the kids a couple months to like realize I didn't work at the U anymore. Mm. And a few weeks ago, Maeve goes, so you just do nut butter now. And I said, yeah. And John asked her, you know, Maeve, what do you think of that? And she's like, kind of cool, kind of weird. And I'm like, <laughs> But they're seeing that work ethic. They're seeing their parents follow a passion. I think that's so exciting. And, and, I, and, and I see the same thing in my eight-and-a-half-year-old's eyes when, when she co-hosts my show occasionally. When I have her in the studio and she's making TikToks with these cool lights here, she, like, she sees that daddy's building and he's excited about what he's doing. And that's everything. That's, that's work ethic. And you know, my parents, both my parents are New York City Board of Ed teachers. My brother's in education. So I didn't learn that side of it from them. But what I learned from them was the passion and the work ethic. And, and, I, and I think that really goes a long way. So what, like crystal ball here, predictions, where would you love to see this company go in the next few years? We wanna be a national, uh, nationally distributed brand, um, have you know different offerings, um, but have some consistency to those offerings. Um, omnichannel business, right? We're available online and uh, we've got 24 stores here in the state of Minnesota. Um, hopefully we'll expand that in, in relatively short order and we'll have a, a small team. Um, I love leadership, I, I love working with people. Um, I love working together to solve hard problems. I just find that gratifying and challenging. Um, and I think it'll give Jess and I like a little bit of ability to compartmentalize too, if we have some support in the business. Yeah, and you could focus. You know, we're, starting, we're starting to build a team of, of investors and great advisors that know CPG inside and out. And those people are, are tremendously valuable to us. And so I think if we can solidify the advisory board, some investors, bring our vision to the market um, and you know enjoy the fruits of our labor, because we're bootstrapping, you know? Yep. CPG is a tough business, it's competitive, it's, it's not the highest margins. I hear ya. But, you know, we've been grinding and I think that our hard work will will pay off. Um, and it's, it's great to have Jess's full time. I, I, I love it. I had um, my show that's out this week is with Kara Golden, the founder of Hint. And it's like yeah. the other end of the spectrum. But you go back and you look at her story when she was in your shoes. And I've had a lot of CPG folks on my on my show. I have um, Matt Bennett, um, the salsa and salsa chips in Brooklyn. Uh, Dave Kalina, O2, O2 Water. It's just been there's there's something about the journey of food and creating a product mm -hmm. versus the tech and the SaaS and everything that's out there. It's, it's fantastic. Um, incredible story. I love Humble Nut Butter. And I, 
don't want to take the show in this direction, but I think it's it's important because we need to touch on it. You guys are in Minneapolis. You're 15 minutes away from where George Floyd was murdered. If anybody turns on the news right now, you, you guys can't avoid it. Um, I don't want to get political, but we're talking humanity here, and there's a lot of terrible things happening and injustice to a group of people in our country. What is it like to be that close? Take, take us to what's happening on the ground right now in your hometown. Yeah, thanks for asking I think it's heartbreaking when you hear it anywhere, but there's an extra level of like pit in your stomach kind of sadness that just hits when you know it's in your community. And this is a problem that's happening all over our country that's been happening all over our country for years. Unfortunately, this isn't anything new or novel. Um, and it's definitely not unique to Minneapolis or the surrounding areas but it does feel different when it's in your backyard. Um, and I, it, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I mean, listen, I, I, can't, I can't even imagine. Like when you walk down the street, you are a white couple. Like what, what does that feel like at the ground? Like it's, it's helpless. Like is there a feeling of guilt, a feeling of responsibility? How heavy is that? Um, it's heavy. You know, we have friends and family um, of all nationalities. And um, so I, I don't think we're naive to the struggles, but we certainly can't relate. And, um, no. you know, we've said Minneapolis is a great place to live. And it is for us. You know, we've been here six years now. We moved from Chicago. But there are there are two Minneapolises and there's two Americas. And, and now this is being brought to the forefront. I mean, um, young man was just killed two days ago um, in a northern suburb here. So we're dealing with that, as you're you're probably aware of. Um, and you're right, Adam. I mean, we, we don't have aspirations to, to be political with our brand. We want to create a delicious, healthy product that people are delighted and surprised by. But when injustice happens, especially in our backyard, we're not the types to stay silent. And when George Floyd was killed last summer, I mean, we were, we were shook to the core. And we just sat silent for like four days. And this just kept building. And, and finally, we had, we had to take action. And... Um, you know, there was a couple different GoFundMe pages set up. We weren't exactly sure who was running them, right. but we had to do something with this small little platform that we have. So, uh, Philando Castile, another African American gentleman, uh, was killed by the police in, in the St. Paul suburbs a few years ago. We were still rattled by that, and we decided to um, take all the proceeds from our website sales and donate that to the Philando Castile Relief Foundation. And we had. Uh, we announced this on Instagram, not because we want credit, but because we had to do something, right? We couldn't stay silent. And so we had um, friends of ours that run an agency called Lucky Day. They stepped up and matched our donation. And then we had 11 different states come forward um, and, and get involved. And we, we gave like a $3,000 check to Everything the organization. Else. We handed it to, to Valerie Castile, who's Flando's mother. And that was a powerful moment. So we um, were, you know, we don't pretend to be able to solve these these problems ourselves, but we can't stay silent, and so um, we have to get involved somehow. And, and that's and that's certainly commendable. But how how does that change your kind of perspective as you're building out humble nut butter of, you know, ensuring a diverse company, ensuring diverse, and we're not just talking skin color. We're talking diversity is diversity of mindset, diversity of thought. You know, everything that goes into it. How is that shaping your vision of building your organization? I mean, we're extremely mindful of it. Um, I think early in, early on in our kind of 
evolution when we were looking for commercial kitchens, an opportunity presented itself through um, an organization called JHAP, which is the Jewish Housing um, and programming. programming. They have a commercial kitchen and some space was available there and there was the woman who was running the kitchen at the time also had a business called inclusive network inclusive networking that would match employers with adults of all abilities and she asked us you know would you be interested and have a need um to maybe have some part-time work done with somebody with um varying abilities and my father is a educator and worked in special education for over 35 years. So I grew up with adults of different abilities all my life, and it was a huge part of my upbringing. And so I had a, a certain comfort level, and it was just kind of a no-brainer. Like, of course, like we're doing everything by hand. Every label is applied by hand. Every, you know, Best Buy sticker, mm-hmm. lot everything is very manual so we could definitely use the help and that's how we met tim and um tim is an adult with down syndrome and he's a huge part of our team and a way that we can kind of incorporate our our personal values into our company but it's also one of those things where we're also very mindful of um not exploiting him or you know using it in any way that would um be disrespectful right. to him as our employee because he's that's, a member of our team that's that's fantastic and when when you look at what you guys have created and you and you look at this company and it's more than just a company it's it's an extension of your family it's it's part of your mm-hmm. family what does the brand stand for what are those words what, are the, what is that inside that when someone looks on the shelf here and they see it for the first time or they're on the internet doing research what do you what do you want them to feel what do you want that takeaway to be uh, authenticity, humility, and uh, you know we admire humility obviously in humans, which is one reason we named the, the company what we did. But as it relates to food, we think that food should be honest, real, tasty, and nutritious, and, and done because that's the right thing to do, not done because we deserve credit for that. Um, and you know the best quality ingredients we can find. You know we source the best quality ingredients. Our herbs and spices are certified organic. We'll become a certified organic That's vendor great. soon. Um, and you know, I think transparency. I look at like what Everlane has done um, with with their approach to transparency, and, and we want to bring the same thing to a, a packaged good because there's a lot of like disingenuous marketing. Yeah, a lot of smoke and there's a lot of a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. So 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 let's bring it home. And uh, it gets a little interesting when I got two folks here to kind of go through my my encore here. Um, Jess, what's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? I don't know that it's been a single piece of advice, but a thread of advice that has kind of woven through my life from professional to personal is just patience and being able to work with adversity and a mistake happens and you pivot and something you were expecting doesn't happen, you move on from it. And I think I definitely embrace that in my personal life as a parent and definitely in my new professional career as an entrepreneur. I I love it. That's a fantastic answer there. And and, and John, you know, what what you bring to the table uh, is tremendous from experience, but what 
you know, what would you say is your superpower, something that you do better than almost anyone on this planet that, that makes you who you are, that makes this company amazing and, and something that you said, you know what, I'm doubling, I'm tripling down, I'm going all in. Not my going all in on myself, but we're going all in as a family. What is that superpower? I think it's the ability to connect with people. Um, you know, in a leadership role, I, you know, I chose leadership because I want to help people become the best versions of themselves. And so in the roles that I've held, it's been more than just a sales coach, right? We'll talk about personal things and uh, because I believe that's more important than just, you know, what your KPIs are. Um, and I, you know, I believe in humanity. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. So I think um, people, you know, have a lot to offer. And if I can kind of be a, a positive force for that, then I'm all about it. And, and that gives me energy. Oh, I love it. I love it. And however you guys want to answer this one, you know, I, I, I love what you built here. And you guys have been through uh, a lot. You know, it's, there's there's the trials and tribulations of, of, of not just building a company together, building a brand together, but raising a family and living in this crazy world that we're in. And you guys need to stay focused. You need to stay determined. You need to stay the course. John and Jess Waller, what is your compass? What is your North Star? Um, do good every step of the way, no matter, you know, how small or big the decision is, if you do the right thing and put good out into the world, I think it, it makes a difference. Amen. I love it. John and Jess Waller, thank you for spending time with me and my audience today. This has been great. Where could folks find you guys? Where could they connect? Where could they get their hands on some humble nut butter? And thank you for having us, Adam. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. It's humble nut butter. Uh, website's humblenutbutter.com. We're both on LinkedIn, but uh, yeah, I'd say Instagram and, and the website's the best way to follow us. Awesome. Great stuff. I hope uh, everyone listening enjoyed the story that they're inspired. I hope they go out and try some. It's absolutely delicious. Um, keep on fighting the good fight. Uh, your story is awesome. It's inspirational. Hang with me for a moment here as I sign off. Everyone listening at home in their cars, maybe you're going back to work, maybe you're walking the kids, maybe you're walking the dog, wherever you are. I appreciate all of you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a rating, a review. It goes a long way. You can find out more at thepodcast.com. You know all of our social media channels. Please check it all out. Remember, take care of each other. Seriously, look out for one another. Be good, do good, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and catch us next week for another great episode of The Podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.